Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. If you are a guest or a visitor here tonight, I welcome you to this service. And uh, at the close of this message, this altar area will be open. And we encourage everyone to come to this altar. When does the word of God get engrafted into you? Right here at this altar. And uh, I found out a long time ago, it's never a waste of time to come to an altar. If you have sin in your life tonight, you can repent of your sin. God would like to speak to you about water baptism in the name of Jesus if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. If you've never spoken with other tongues, there's more for you to receive from God. That's the resurrection power of Almighty God. Hallelujah. So it's good to come to an altar and talk to the Lord and let him talk to you. The book of Romans, chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service which is your reasonable service. Then it says in verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving. Let's all say serving. Serving the Lord. What a wonderful Lord to serve tonight. Let's pray, shall we, in Jesus' name. God, we ask again that your spirit would continue to permeate our hearts. God, let the word of God, God, penetrate our understanding. God, I know that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of the Lord. And again, Lord, God, that you would help me to minister your word, help us to receive it. God, for your glory and for your honor, we ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Jesus' name, amen, amen. And you may be seated this evening. Now, the word beseech literally means I will get on my knees and beg. Isn't it interesting that the flesh has not changed much from the book of Romans chapter 12 to April the 16th, 2014? Why is it that people are reluctant to come to church, people are reluctant to serve God, people are reluctant to give their best? I will get on my knees and beg, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies There's nothing forced, there's nothing coerced in this church. There's not. You yourself do the presenting. Everything I am, everything I'm not, everything I've got, I give it to you, Lord. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, the Old Testament is filled with dead sacrifices. But in the New Testament, God does not want your cow, God does not want your lamb, and God does not want your turtle dove. Folks, God wants you. We now present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Folks, we are constantly dying to the things of the world and constantly living to the things of God. A living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, it is unreasonable to be chained to five packs of cigarettes a day. 
It is unreasonable to die of an overdose of drugs. It is unreasonable to go to hell, but it's reasonable to be holy. It's reasonable to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. It is reasonable to serve God. This is a reasonable service. So it says in verse 11 that we should be serving the Lord. Now, the problem we have is that the world out here has a totally negative concept of this. They think, oh, you poor Christians. You mean you need to serve God? You need to go to church every Wednesday and Sunday. I mean, you have to serve God? But the truth of the matter is, everybody in this building is serving something. Everybody here is serving somebody. Everyone in Oconomowoc is serving something. And everyone in Oconomowoc is serving somebody. Now let's look in our Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 8. The Gospel of John chapter 8 and verse 34. And Jesus says it very explicitly. And Jesus says it very plainly in John chapter 8 and verse 34. It says, Jesus answered them verily verily or truthfully truthfully I say unto you whosoever committeth whosoever committeth sin whoever is obedient to sin whoever does the act of sin is the servant literally in the in the Greek slave whoever commits sin is the servant is the slave of sin and the Bible says elsewhere that the way of the transgressor is hard it's hard to serve sin it's hard to serve the world it's hard to serve the devil it really is hard to be chained to five packs of cigarettes a day I remember, I remember being at a church and a man came to the altar and uh, he said, you know, Brother Mackey, he said, before I go to bed at night, he said, he said, I have to put my cigarette lighter and a cigarette on the nightstand because every morning about 3 a.m. I wake up and I'm coughing <coughs> and I can't go back to sleep. So I put that cigarette in my mouth, light it. Then I can get back to sleep. Now you tell me who's the master and who's the servant. I would say tobacco's the master. Right now, 3 a.m., smoke me. And it's the servant's duty to obey. It's hard to be a drug addict. It is. I read where the first dose of crack cocaine takes you so high so fast. But after that, it's never quite that high and it's never that fast. And some individuals, folks, spend up to $5,000 a month on crack cocaine. I don't want it, but it's the servant's duty to obey because they're slaves to it. I was preaching in Seattle, Washington some years ago, and on a Sunday morning service, a man came, first time ever in church, came to the altar, repented of his sins, was baptized in Jesus' name, came up out of the water speaking with other tongues. And they just happened to have a, a, a church picnic on the grounds. So I made a point of sitting, uh, sitting at the same table as this new convert. I said, I'm so glad for you and, and, and your obedience to, to the word of the Lord today. And I said, I'm just curious, what kind of a job do you do? And he said, you know, Brother Mackey, he said, I have my master's degree in business administration. I have my MBA. 
He said, but I work at McDonald's hamburgers stand. I said, that's interesting to have your MBA and work at McDonald's. He said, he said, I had, he said, I was working for one of the leading stock brokerages in Seattle, Washington, till I got hooked on crack cocaine. And he said, I have the best of everything. He said, I had the leather, I had the leather furniture. I had the Porsche automobile. I had a Rolex on my arm. He said, I had a $5,000 stereo system in my home. And he said, I have the best of everything till I got hooked on crack cocaine. And, and, he, and he said, I lost my job. I lost the car, the watch. In fact, he said, I sold all my furniture. He said, the last thing I got rid of was my $5,000 stereo system because I, I was willing to sleep on the floor as long as I had that stereo. And he said, the last thing I had of value was a full-length black leather top coat. And he said, I took it off and gave it to a drug dealer. He said, I didn't want to do it. But I had to do it because, because, because drugs is the master. All right, and it's the servant's duty to obey. It's hard to be an alcoholic. It is. It's hard to be chained to tobacco. It's hard to be a drug addict. Folks, it's, it's hard to be an alcoholic. To need stiff drinks in the morning, more at noon, more mid-afternoon, more right, right after work. And before you walk into the house at night, you, you, know, you don't even know your wife is there or the kids are there. My younger brother used to witness to his foreman and his foreman used to blow cigar smoke in my brother Winton's face and said, come on, Mackie, speak in tongues for me a little bit. Come on, come on. I want to hear you speak in tongues a little bit. He spent, he, he spent $10,000 on booze when he was in the Marines. Folks, he, he drank a quart and a third of bourbon every day. He put bourbon on his Cheerios for breakfast. He said, he's, and, and, and he said, I don't want to do it. But he had to do it. Folks, do you know why? Because whoever commits sin and serves sin is the slave of sin. So it's hard to be chained to tobacco. It is hard to be an alcoholic. Folks, it is hard to be a drug addict. It is hard to spend time in prison. It is hard to go through a divorce. It is hard for a homosexual to have AIDS. It is hard for teenagers to have an illegitimate baby in their womb. It is hard to serve sin so don't anyone feel sorry for me because I'm serving God when everybody is serving something everybody is serving something now let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 6 the book of Romans chapter 6 Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. It says, knowing this, that our old man, that's this flesh, is crucified with him, that is Jesus Christ, that the body of sin, this flesh, might be destroyed, not pampered, not given allowance for it, but destroyed, that henceforth, or... From that moment, we should not serve sin. I'm here to let everyone in this building know, young and old, that it's not the will of God you serve sin. It's the will of God that you serve him. But what is the key ingredient into not serving sin, but serving God? It says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. 
Listen, the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is not a fairy tale. It's not a figment of some man's imagination. They really did beat a man more than any man, beat him more than any man was ever beaten. They did put a crown of thorns on his head, folks, and stripes on his back and nailed him to a cross. But now it says we are to, that this old man should be crucified with him. In other words, it should be put to death. Put to death. Why? That this body of sin might be destroyed. Now, why is it, why is it so difficult for someone to step out of that chair and come to this altar? I've had visitors say, boy, that aisle seems a mile long. It's not a mile, 30 feet maybe, but not a mile. Easy to walk into a casino. Easy to walk into a tavern. Easy to walk into a dance hall but hard to come to this altar? I mean, this is a nice altar. It even has double padding. You know that? So your knees don't hurt. I mean, there's no landmines here. There's no trapdoors here. There's no poisonous snakes here. Why is it hard for someone to step out of that chair and come to this altar? Do you know why? Because this flesh does not want to die. But listen, if you're gonna, if, if you're gonna really be like Jesus, he died and we die through repentance. It's absolutely essential. Now I know sometimes in our apostolic churches, we're in a hurry to get him in the water, hurry to get their hands raised, speaking in tongues. But listen, you will never serve God successfully until there's a time in your life when the old man is crucified and the body of sin is destroyed. I remember being at a church where a man had been seeking the Holy Ghost for 21 years. Now that's not God's fault. But does that mean for 21 years he never, he never served God? God forbid. Your service to God begins before you are baptized, before you are filled with the Holy Ghost, that henceforth, from that moment, from the moment that the old man is crucified and the body of sin is destroyed, from that moment you should be serving God. Then it says in verse 12, let not sin therefore reign or sit in a place of authority in your mortal body, that you should obey it because it's the servant's duty to obey, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Verse 13, neither yield ye your members, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your lips, your tongue, your heart, your mind. Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. See that the fact that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, now we have resurrected from the deadness of sin, amen, as those that are alive from the dead. And now we take our members, our hands, our feet, our 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 hands, our lips, our tongue, our mind, and we yield them as instruments of righteousness unto God. And it says in verse 16, don't you know or, know, or know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, literally slaves to obey, amen, his slaves you are to whom you obey, whether you yield to sin, which results in death, or whether, or whether you, or, or whether you have obedience to God, which results in righteousness. That is why I know whom everyone in this building is serving by what you yield yourself to. 
Don't you know that whatever you yield yourself to, that's whose servant you become. That's why at the close of this message, you know, and we open up this altar, listen, it, it is good for you to yield yourself to this altar. Don't you know that whatever you yield yourself to, that's whose servant you become. That is why we need to yield ourselves to the Holy Ghost. We need to yield ourselves to the presence of God. We need to yield ourselves to the preaching. Not resist it, not fight it. Because whatever you yield yourself to, that's whose servant you become. Because, uh, really... You don't need a bumper sticker on your car to let me know you're serving God or a gold cross hanging around your neck. I know whom everybody in this building is serving by what you yield yourself to. But then it says in verse 17, but God be thanked. One translation says, hallelujah, praise the Lord. We were the slaves of sin. We were a month ago, a year ago, five years ago for some of you, 20 years ago. We were slaves to sin, but not now. Why? Because we have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Now keep your finger in Romans chapter 6 and let's turn to Acts chapter 2 just for a minute. Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. We were serving sin, but not now. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. It says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Let's all say do. You need to do something. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm so thankful for a form of doctrine that we can obey. How do we re how do we obey re how, how do we obey repentance folks that's there has to come a point in people's lives where they turn their back on sin and turn the whole desire toward the lord amen to obey what water baptism in the name of jesus christ and then to obey receiving the holy ghost the resurrection power because by one spirit are we all baptized into one body and if any man have not the spirit of christ he is none of his and if we had time tonight, we could, have, we could have a lot of you stand and testify how you lived, how you dressed, what you served, what you did. But one day, you came to an altar and repented of your sins. And you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad for this form of doctrine? And I can stand in this pulpit tonight and say, I don't care what the sin is. I don't care what the habits are, what the lifestyle is. There is power in repentance. There is power in water baptism in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah! Because 
The man that came to the altar smoking five packs of cigarettes a day. Do you know what? He comes to the altar. He repents. Amen. He's baptized in Jesus' name. He comes up out of the water speaking with other tongues. And he did not need a nicotine patch. He was not shaken. He did not have to chew gum all the time. He was totally delivered and set free from the effects of tobacco in his life. Because there's power in this form of doctrine. Hallelujah. Brother Terry, my brother's foreman, who used to blow cigar smoke in my brother's face and say, come on, Mac, he's speaking tongues. The one who drank a quarter and a third of bourbon every day, he came to one, he just came to one apostolic service. Just one. And do you know what? Terry comes to the altar. And folks, and for an hour and after two hours, his fists are clenched. You know what he's doing? The old man is being crucified. And this body of sin is being destroyed. And even before he was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, he went home and threw all of his cigars in the garbage can and poured all of his bourbon down the sink. He's never had a drink from that day until this. Because there's power in repentance. There's power in the Holy Ghost. There's power in water baptism in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll never forget when Brother Scott came to the altar on a, on a fellowship meeting night. It was a rally. The church was packed, but, but, but there, were, there was about 14 Mormon young men that came to that service. And they had the second and the third rows reserved for these Mormon visitors. By the time Scott came to the altar, the altar was filled, so he had to stand right between the second and the third row in the center aisle. And Scott had been wounded so severely, you know, um, in Vietnam, and they had just pumped him full of morphine, pumped him full of morphine. And now he was going to the, he was going to the veterans hospital, folks, a couple of different times a week for his morphine shots. And the doctor said, Scott, you've been on morphine for three years. For every year you're on it, it's going to take five years to withdraw. So in 15 years, you'll be free from all the effects of morphine, all right, that is in your body. But this, the Scott's first trip to the altar. He stands between that second and the third pew, and he goes, he goes, Jesus, I need you, Lord, I need you. And the power of God hit him, and he fell flat right there. And all these Mormons are looking, you know, and he's speaking with other tongues. He was baptized in Jesus' name. That was on a Saturday night. Hallelujah. So he goes to the doctor Monday morning. They come and take some blood. Then they come and take some more blood. Then they come and take some more blood. Scott said, I've only got so much blood, you know. Then what's the problem? They said, we cannot find one trace of morphine anywhere at all in your entire body. Because, amen, because there's power in repentance, power in water baptism, power in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Yes. We are not serving sin because we have obeyed from the heart this form of doctrine. And I'm so glad God lets me see some of these things in my ministries just so I can share them with everybody. And, and, and I know after coming here for 30 years, I probably have said this before, but I was preaching at a large church maybe around 250, 300 and first night of revival and uh, a visitor woman comes to the altar. And she's kneeling right in front of the pulpit. All right. And there's over 250 people in this church. 
And they all come to the altar, but everyone stays at least 10 feet away from this individual. So I go to pray for this individual. And this dear woman in the church comes up and says, Brother Mackey, that's not a woman. It's a man dressed as a woman. You know? So the fact that no one was praying with this individual, that church was kind of saying, you know, we don't want the bad sinners around here. We just, we just want the good ones, you know. So I don't know what kind you were, the bad one or the good one. But I looked at this woman. I said, ma'am, Jesus died for this individual. And, and so I said, what's his name? And she said, his name is Michael, Brother Mackey. So I remember kneeling down. I said, it's good to have you at this altar. And what's your name? And he said, Michelle. And see, that's how sick sin is, everybody. I said, no, it's not Michelle, it's Michael. And I said, Michael, I don't know if you've been abused by your mom, your dad, your uncle, your aunt, your grandparents. I, you know, and I said, Michael, I said, I'm not a counselor. I'm not one of those psychologist people. But I said, Michael, you're in the right place because you're a man and not a woman. And God does not approve of this. So let's repent. Let's die to this. Come on, Michael, let's pray. And you know what? He prayed, got up, left, comes on Thursday night of revival, still dressed in feminine attire. All right, but he's at the altar. I said, Michael, you were in the right place. You're, you're changing direction in your life now. You're dying to this. That's right, Michael, let's pray. Friday night, he still comes in feminine attire. Only this time there's such conviction, tears of mascara are rolling down his cheeks. And I said, Michael, you're doing good. Yes, you're turning, you're dying to this. No service on Saturday night, but on Sunday morning, I just happened to be in the vestibule and here comes this young man to church I had never seen before. I said, it's nice to have you here, sir. He said, I'm Michael, Brother Mackey. I said, you're a good looking man, Michael. Yeah. Hallelujah. He comes to the altar again. We baptize him in Jesus' name. He comes up out of the water speaking with other tongues. And that was in the month of September. The next February, I called this church because I was raising money for a mission strip. And I happened to ask the pastor. I said, hey, pastor, how's Michael doing? I said, Brother Mickey, he's doing so good. We're having a Valentine's banquet this month. And Michael's bringing a young woman from the church. I don't care what the sin is. Come on and repent. Get baptized and receive the Holy Ghost. Yeah, let's come. Clap our hands for that, shall we? Hallelujah! 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 Amen. Now let's turn back to the book of Romans, chapter 6. Romans, chapter 6, verse 17. It says, But God be thanked. What? Why? Ye were the slaves to sin, but not now. Why? Because we have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Verse 18, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness because everybody is serving something. 
Verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. In other words, I'm going to speak in familiar human terms because you have natural limitations to understand the things of God. He said, for as you have yielded your members, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your lips, your tongue, servants to uncleanness, this is a moral uncleanness, and do iniquity unto iniquity, which is continual rebellion against the authority of God, even so now, now that you have obeyed this form of doctrine, even so now that you have obeyed this form of doctrine, yield your members, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your lips, your tongue, your heart, your mind, yield your members, servants to righteousness, which results in holiness. Do you know what Paul's saying? Hey, everybody, as you yielded yourself to sin, come on now and let's yield ourselves to God the same way. We'll come to an altar and pray 15 minutes. Boy, I did good tonight. And we used to sit on a bar stool till 1.30 in the morning. I wish people would pray as hard as they used to dance. Really? Well, we don't want to... Come on, as you yielded yourself to sin, come on now. And let's yield ourselves to God the same way. Because I've gone to visitors and people that needed God. And I said, come on, let's go to the altar. Hey, Brother Mackey, no, no. I just want to understand it more. Is that how it was with drugs? Here, have some drugs. Uh Uh-uh, I just want to understand it more. Hey, let's get drunk. Uh Uh-uh, I want to understand it more. Come on, folks, listen, you didn't do that with sin. Don't do it with God. Let's, Let's repent. Let's get baptized. Let's get the Holy Ghost. You know, you have a baseball team in town called the Milwaukee Brewers. I heard they're doing good so far, okay? 11 and 4, right? I think. He goes, you know what? People go, to the, people go to that stadium and it's the bottom of the ninth and the Brewers are losing 2 to 1. But on the bottom of the ninth, the Brewers tied up 2 to 2. And it's going to go into extra innings. What does the what does the crowd do? Oh no, extra innings. They go, yes, extra innings. Boy, it goes 10 innings, it goes 11 innings, it goes 12 innings. Whoa, am I getting my money's worth tonight or what? Hey man, in the bottom of the 13th, the Brewers score running went three to two. Boy, sometimes when I'm preaching, I see people going like this. How many innings have we been in here now? Folks, we need extra innings in the house of God. We need extra innings at this altar. We need extra innings in the Holy Ghost. Come on now. As he yielded yourself to sin, come on now. And let's yield ourselves to God the same way. I remember preaching at a church and I was there for a couple weeks. And uh, every night there was a man that sat on the front row. And I mean, he worshiped God, he loved God. And you could tell he was so sincere. Every night, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And I remember telling the pastor, I said, you know, pastor, I said, I appreciate that man sitting on the front row. Man, he's so faithful and he worships and he prays. He said, Brother Mackey, he has quite a testimony. Before he came into the church, he said, he said he's a great guitar player, has a great voice. And he used to sing... You know, he, 
he, he sang country western songs and he sang in taverns and bars and made $2,500 to $3,000 a night. But he said, but now he's saved, his wife is saved, his kids are saved. He said, he said, he said, but, 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 but he said, but he won't play his guitar, you know, in church and he won't sing in the choir and he won't sing specials. And he said, but he said, that lifestyle messed him up so much because he, even though he was making $3,000 a night, they said he was, they were repossessing his pickup truck. His marriage was on the rocks and he was an alcoholic. That sounds like a country western song right there, you know? Right. So, the Wednesday night of the next, uh, it was a two-week revival. The first night of the second week, I said, Sir, I appreciate your faithfulness to this revival. Sitting on their front row, I said, you are so faithful. And he said, well, you know, Brother Mickey, God really saved me. He said, I'm, he said, I was singing country western songs in taverns and nightclubs. And he said, but I was an alcoholic. They were repossessing my pickup truck and my marriage was on the rocks. But now my marriage is together. He said, I got a good job and God has blessed my whole family. And I said, well, I said, I said, why don't you play your guitar in church? Why don't you sing in the choir? Why don't you sing specials? He said, well, Brother Mackey, I'm afraid if I put that guitar strap over my shoulder and I start strumming it again, those old tendencies are going to come back and I'm going to leave the church and go back into that, into that world of nightclubs and taverns. I said, number one, I said, the devil is a liar. I said, number two, God gave you the talent and God gave you the ability, amen, and the devil robbed it for 15 years. I said, you know what I would tell the devil? He said, what? I said, I would tell the devil, devil, you heard me play in nightclubs? Wait till you hear me play in church. I had sang for you. Now I'm going to sing for the Lord of Lords and for the King of Kings. Devil, I'm going to serve God harder than I ever served you. Come on now. As you yielded yourself to sin, come on now and let's yield ourselves to God the same way. Amen. Now, that's why we yield our members to righteousness. That's why these eyes would would watch anything and everything and read everything but the word of God. Now we take these eyes and yield them to righteousness. We don't put anything unclean in front of these eyes. Amen. And we can't wait to read the word of God. These feet that would walk everywhere but to God's house. Now we take these members and yield them to righteousness. And we come to God's house. And when we're here, we come to an altar. Folks, these hands that would clap for rock stars, sports stars, movie stars. Now, we, now they clap for the King of kings and for the Lord. Yeah, let's clap right now, shall we? Hallelujah! Oh, yeah! Hallelujah! Yeah, we're yielding our members to righteousness. Amen.
You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. That's why the Bible evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost is you begin to speak with other tongues because the tongue is a little member and no man can tame it. Remember when you were out in that world and you would get angry and you would, you know, and you wanted to curse and swear, but you didn't hold it back. You said, mm -mm, mm -mm, I'm not going to curse. Mm. No, you just opened up your mouth and got it rip. I've seen people that need the Holy Ghost. They can barely talk. They can't even say hallelujah. And when the Spirit of God touches them, instead of opening up their mouth, I've seen them close their mouth. Oh, boy, it's so hard to talk with your mouth closed. Listen, folks, if, if you need the Holy Ghost tonight and if it's hard for you to worship God in English, man, don't hinder, don't, don't stop it. Open up your mouth and let it rip, okay? Just speak with other tongues. Come on, as you yielded this tongue to cursing, why don't we yield this tongue to worshiping God and yielding to the Holy Ghost? Amen. I remember when I pastored a church in upstate New York. It was at the New York campground in Bern, New York. And I baptized a college kid from my church. And he was just in his blue jeans. And we just went into this mountain stream and baptized him. And he's on the shore kind of drying himself up. And then he started to laugh. <laughs> I said, what's wrong, Dennis? He said, Brother Mackey, I forgot to take my wallet out. I got my wallet baptized. So there's a message in there somehow, you know? <laughs> really. Um, he opened up his before the money was wet, the pictures were wet. As you yielded yourself to sin, come on now. Right. Seal yourself to God the same way. In Michael Jordan's last basketball game, the minimum ticket price was $2,500, and people paid the price. I was preaching in San Diego, California when they had the Major League All-Star game out there and the cheapest ticket the pastor and I could find in the paper was $1,250 to go to a Major League Baseball game and they sit on the 300th row and can't see a thing but I went there though. I mean, come on now, as you yielded yourself to sin, let's yield ourselves to God the same way. Now, I remember when I pastored, I would see a tithing check for $79.96. Just make it $80. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to subtract sixes and nines from your balance? Well, we don't want to give God too much now, you know. Is that how God is with his blessings to you? Let me see. I think I'm going to give you a 72.57. No, I think I'll give you a 75.25. No. I think I'll give you 77.77 since that's my favorite number, God says. No, God says, I'm going to give you, I think I'm, I'm just going to give you a hundred because God pours out his blessing. Folks, amen, shakes it down, presses it together, pours some more on there. Listen, as you yielded yourself to sin, come on, yield yourself to God the same way. 
There's a man I preached for in the state of Maine before he was born again. He's now an apostolic preacher. He said, Brother Mackey, when I served sin on Friday night, I would get a paycheck. I would, before I went home, I would go into a tavern, put the paycheck on the bar and endorse the back of it and drink the whole thing away. And I'd go home and my wife was standing there with a baby on her hip with her hand out for some money for food and milk and it was already gone. This slip of paper here was given to me by a woman in St. Louis, Missouri because I was preaching along these lines and while she was hearing me preach, she figured up how much she spent serving sin in the last five years. She spent $10,920 on vodka, $6,240 on marijuana, $4,368 on cigarettes, $9,100 playing bingo games, $5,200 playing the lottery. She spent $35,828 in five years serving sin and people kick about 10%. Folks, it's a bargain to serve God. It's a bargain. Really, bargain. Don't give, round off that tithe check. I'm not even your pastor. I don't care if you do or don't. But don't count little pennies with God. Man. Years ago, for some of you older folks like me, remember the old bumper sticker? Pay tithes if you love Jesus. Anybody can honk. Remember that? <laughs> Big deal. Come on now. As he yielded yourself to sin, come on now. And let's yield ourselves to God the same way. For, because then it says in verse 20 of Romans chapter 6, for when ye were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. See, that's what the sinner says. Oh boy, I'm free. I don't have to go to church Wednesday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. Yeah. You know, I don't have to dress a certain way or live a certain way. Warden Kylie's not going to tell me how to live. I mean, I'm free. For when ye were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. But what fruit had ye then? In those things wherever you are now ashamed. What was the condition of your marriage, of your life? What did you read? What did you watch? How did you feel? What fruit was produced in you? And the end of, you are ashamed of it. And the end of those things is death. Verse 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God because everybody is serving something. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Listen, young people, adult, the devil lies to you and he makes you think you're going to give up everything to come to this altar and give your heart to God. You don't give up everything. You get everything when you come to an altar and give your heart to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Because everybody's serving something. Now let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. We're in the bottom of the seventh right now. All right. Luke chapter. Luke chapter 17. And verse 7. Jesus said, but which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle 
will say to him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward, let's all say afterward, afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I don't think so. So likewise, you and me, when we shall have done all those things which are commanded us, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. The most amazing words I will ever hear Jesus say, the most amazing words you will ever hear Jesus say, is well done, thou good and faithful. Not pew jumper, aisle runner, dancer, tongue talker, hand clapper, servant. Like one, uh, because the devil, because the Bible says, you know, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The devil pays wages and God gives gifts. Folks, we do not deserve it, but God's going to give it to us. After we've done all we are commanded to do, we are still unprofitable servants. Still, because to be totally honest with you, and blunt, I'm now in my 40th year as an evangelist, and sometimes I can hardly stand evangelizing. Do you know how many lumpy beds there are in the UPC? I mean, I have a beauty rest supreme at home. Do you know how many crabby people there are? I wake up nice, hi, good morning. Really? Do you know how many bad cooks there are in the UPC? I want, I said, Lord, I don't like this. But he wants me to do it, so I'm trying to be obedient. But folks, I'm not going to deserve it, and either are you. But the gift of God is eternal life. Because years ago, when I was a little kid in Pennsylvania, by little, I guess I was about 13 or 14, we were at the Pennsylvania camp meeting and there was a very dear woman in, the, in, in one of the churches whose husband was unsaved, but he had a, he had a very large dairy farm and uh, he had back surgery. And so this woman, they made a plea at the camp, we need people to go to this farm and help with the chores and milk the cows and, you know, till this man recovers. And I remember sitting next to my dad who was a pastor in Pennsylvania. I said, Dad, I said, I want to do that. I want to go work on the farm. I said, I want to go milk some cows. He said, well, son, we'll talk about it. So, ap so after, after the camp, we, my dad introduces me and says, you know, can you use my son? He's 14, but, he, you know. And, and she said, oh, yeah, anybody. And, and she said, but it's got to be for three weeks. So my dad talked to me, he said, now listen, Jonathan, it's not easy to work on the farm. So you're going to be there for three weeks because after I drop you off, I'm not coming back to get you. All right, you're there for the duration. I said, I want to go milk some cows, dad. So after the camp meeting, dad travels almost 100 miles to drop me off at this farm, and the woman gives him a nice meal. He drives back home. He said, don't call me. I said, I want to milk some cows, Dad. So I'm there, 
and no one's there. They all come into the house about 9 o'clock, 9.15. And everyone's in bed with the lights out by 10 o'clock. But not me. I'm 14. Man, I read my Hardy Boys mystery. I listened to the radio. You know? I mean, I didn't go to bed till midnight. 5.30 in the morning. The farmer's son is tapping. He said, Jonathan, it's time to get up. I said, what time is it? He said, it's 5.30. I said, I'm not getting up at 5.30. And I rolled over to go back to sleep. He said, you're not here to sleep. You're here to work. Boy, there's a message in that statement someplace. Huh? So I get up and I go downstairs and here's this whole breakfast the farmer's wife said, really, Jonathan, you need to eat something. I said, man, when I get up this early in the morning, I feel sick to my stomach, you know? So I just had a half a piece of toast and some orange juice. And I walk out to the barn and here's 65 Holstein cows lined up at the barn door. So here comes Molly, here comes Betsy, here comes Bessie. And all these cows, and we put them in these metal things called stanchions, you know. And so we start a, we start a milking machine from that end. And we start a, a, a milking machine from this end. Do you know how hard it is to milk a cow by hand? Really, it's not easy, Okay. So we got these cows milked and then we put them out to pasture again and then we cleaned the barn. And then the farmer's other son showed me how to do all the chores, feed the pigs, pick up the eggs, you know, and that took till noon. And boy, thank God for lunch. Because <laughs> that piece of toast and orange juice didn't do it anymore. And then in the afternoon, another guy they had and I, he, he and I went out into this cornfield and we were hoeing all the rows of corn. And when I first went to the farm, the corn was only this high. But within three weeks, it was this high. And folks, one day I was out there and do you know what? I could not remember which way the farmhouse was. <laughs> See? And you know, that's not a, that's not a good feeling. And I'm coming out of the cornfield. It's five o'clock and I'm exhausted. And those 65 cows are lined up again. <laughs> Opened up the barn door. Here comes Molly. Here comes Betsy. Here comes Bessie. We put him in the stanchions again. Milk him again. Put him, feed him. Put him out to pasture again. And clean the whole barn. Because the farmer said, you never go to bed with a dirty barn. See that? Farmers. Okay, right. So we cleaned the whole barn. I came into the house at 9.20 and I was in bed at 9.45, really. <laughs> but I made it all three weeks. But see, <laughs> but see, which of you having a servant pound or feeding cattle? All right. You know, I mean, you know, after he works on the field, does he come into the house? Does the servant come in and tell the master, all right, master here's what I want I want my t-bone medium I want my baked potato buttered I want my iced tea on sweet and my peach cobbler warm with a lot of ice cream on it no when the servant comes in the master's sitting at the table and the master says you're not finished yet the master said I want my t-bone medium and my baked potato buttered and my iced tea on sweet and my peach cobbler warm with a lot of ice cream and afterward let's all say afterward Afterward, you can eat. But see, that's how, but sometimes we're the servants now and we come to God's house and know what we say? We say, 
This is what I want tonight, Lord. This is what I want. I want to be blessed, Lord. And I don't know who this Brother Mackey is, but I sure hope he can preach good. Yeah. And I want to be zapped by the Holy Ghost. That's what I want. I mean, who's the master and who's the servant? We have some of our songs mixed up. Call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. No, we need to have a song that says, Lord, call me up, call me, tell me what you want. Because when we come to this house, amen, he's not serving us. We are still serving God when we come to this house. Lord, what do you want me to preach? What do you, how do you want me to minister, God? What do you want me to do? Because, folks, he's not my servant. I want to be God's servant. And do you thank that servant? Oh, I'm so glad you milked those cows and fed those chickens, you good servant, you, yeah. You don't thank the servant. That's why he's there. I remember pastoring a woman one time when I was in Albany, New York, if I did not shake her hand every Sunday morning and thank her. Ma'am, I'm so glad you're in God's house, you sweet, precious lady, you, yeah. If I did not thank her every Sunday morning, or I was busy with other people, you know, when she left the church, her bottom lip was dragging on the pavement. No one thanked me for serving God today. And she usually stayed home Sunday night, thank God. No, I don't mean that, really. Okay. <laughs> did you need compliments to serve the sin, to serve the devil? You wake up with the hangover and the devil says, I'm so proud of you. Man, you spent 80 bucks on booze last night and when you threw up, it went everywhere. Yeah, I'm so proud of you. You did not need compliments to serve sin. You should not need compliments to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords either. Hallelujah. That's right. As you yielded yourself to sin, come on now. And let's yield ourselves to God the same way. Because which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to the meat. Because folks, we come in here from the field, we come in here from teaching our home Bible studies, we come in here from working our jobs, whatever, we sit here. Folks, he is still the master and we are still the servant. Now let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Joshua. To the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. In verse 14, Joshua's farewell message to God's natural people, the Jew. Now therefore, fear the Lord, reverence God, and serve him in sincerity and in truth. You don't serve God for what you can get. You serve God for what you can give. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Do you know why this church is in Oconomowoc? So people can choose whom they are going to serve. 
All right. Whether the all right, whether the gods which your father served that were on, that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, I've been raised in this, and for there was a time, you know, in the Apostolic Church era where the wives would come to church and the husband wouldn't, and it seemed like the wives said, "Let's go to church." It seems like the the women were the first ones at the altar. Listen, for every husband and father and man in this church, you should be the one saying, "As for me and my house, we're going to serve God." All right. Now we're living in a day where there's a lot of single parents. Any single parents here? You need to say, "As for me and my house." We're going to serve God. Now in a lot of our churches, we have young people that are coming to church, but their mom and dad don't care if they go or not. But their mom and dad will not go to church. Every young person needs to say, as for me and my room, we're going to serve God. Okay. Because you can't control what's in the living room, but you sure can control what's in the bedroom. All right, yeah, we're going to serve God. And then it says in verse 23, now therefore, said he, He said, put away the strange gods which are among you. Incline your heart. Take your heart and incline it unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve and his voice will we obey. Don't anyone, don't anyone here, please try to tell me you're serving God if you do not obey his voice. All right. Now, I read this interesting statistic the average teenager, grades 7 through 12, 6 years, listens to, listens to 10,000 hours of rock music in that period of time. Songs that promote promiscuity, you know, sexual addiction, drugs, disrespect to women. I mean, I have stopped. I have been stopped at a red light with my windows up. And here comes the cars like Mount St. Helens. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, the speakers are bigger than the back window. And they're sitting over there going, mm-hmm. and then we wonder why young people are warped, promiscuous, irreverent, disrespectful, because whatever you yield yourself to, that's whose servant you become. In the same period of time, not only do they listen to 10,000 hours of rock music, but they see 90,000 acts of fornication and adultery on the television screen. And they think, yep, this is normal. This is how it's supposed to be. They never hear about sexually transmitted diseases, shame, embarrassment. But see, but whatever you yield yourself to, that's whose servant you become. That is why you know, it's so good when, when, when your pastor says, hey, everybody, we're going to have an extra service or two this week. Instead of saying, oh, no, Brother Kylie, do you know how busy I am? You're supposed to say, thank you, Brother Kylie, because whatever I yield myself to, that's whose servant I become. So tonight, folks, we're going to stand in just a minute. I wish you would take these feet of yours and yield it 
to righteousness and step out of that chair and come to this altar. And if you're physically able, amen, to bow low before the Lord and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. I wish you would take your your voice and yield it to calling on the name of Jesus. If there's any secret sin in your life, that this would be the night you would repent and that the old man would be crucified and this body of sin is destroyed. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, the spirit of the Lord wants to speak to you about obeying his voice. Amen. If you need the Holy Ghost, he wants to fill you. If you need the renewing of the Holy Ghost, he wants to renew you. But oh, folks, whatever you yield yourself to, that's whose servant you become. It's so good to come and yield our members, our hands, our feet, our, our hearts, our lips, our tongue, our mind to the Holy Ghost. Because don't you know that whatever you, you, whatever you yield yourself to, that's whose servant you become. No wonder Paul said, I beg you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let's stand and let's raise our hands and worship the Lord God, shall we? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Let's, let's, let's yield those arms and hands to the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, 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 hallelujah, 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 thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, so we all have our choice tonight. You can be free from righteousness, serve sin, be ashamed of what you're doing, and die. Or you can be set free from sin, serve God, have your fruit unto holiness, and live forever. It's a bargain to serve God, everybody. It's a bargain to be here. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.